on for podcasting. The PSAs you hear on Miller and Condon and iHeartMedia Des Moines are presented in part by Nick Mick. We take care of our own. Now, here's Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO. And now on 106.3 FM. All right, good morning, everybody, and welcome in. It's Miller and Condon on a football Friday, Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Trent Condon, Ken Miller for the next couple of hours. Thank you for spending some of that uh, time here with us. BMW of Des Moines guest list looks like this. Bottom of the hour, we'll kick things off with our friend Tom Cakert from HawkeyeReport.com. We will check in with Tom. Uh, have him opine on, obviously, Wisconsin and Iowa, a game that is a consensus pick by the, uh, by the crew over at YahooSports.com. 40, Wetzel, Thamel, Sully, all taking the points in the Hawkeyes. Oh, Over scary whiskey. proposition there. That's what I thought, too. So, uh, anyways, Tom Caker will kick things off at 10.30. Dave Sproul on Iowa State at 10.45. If you're a Cyclone fan and you subscribe to The Athletic or you're waiting for whatever reason, uh, there is a long, long read on Brock Purdy that was published by Max Olson uh, this morning at The Athletic. One of the longer pieces at The Athletic. I mean, this thing keeps like a book. Yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> right? I, and in fact, it, there was a little skimming that got Ditto. into it because I did see as I was kind of scrolling, man, this is long. And it, oh, I got a lot in front of me. Right. I didn't pick up the pace a little bit. Got a lot more reading to do. Yeah, but uh, a good piece. So if you're a Cyclone fan and you subscribe to The Athletic, I'm sure you're aware of it. If not, you're waiting. A good piece on Brock, uh, Brock Purdy and Brock. October. Bama Bob, Trent, and I will go around college football at 11.05, 11.35-ish, probably 40. Uh, we'll give four of you an opportunity to win Claxon's Barbecue. If you have not uh, played for Claxon's in the last month, you are eligible to play. Not if you've won, whether you you can't, you can't play more than once a month, period. Uh, and if you haven't done that, that's you. We'd love to hear from you at about 11.35, 11.40-ish, as soon as we get done with Bama Bob. And then our picks before we get out of here at noon. You have high school football tonight. Joe Stacy and the team uh, will be on this week. Uh, tonight and then next week before the sh- scene shifts uh, to the Dome. You'll be at Valley Stadium for Centennial and Valley on the Bull at 96.9. I will be. You can hear that. Pre-game starts at 6.45. Video stream at CISN TV. And I forgot to tell you, an opportunity to talk with Jerry Pizzetti for our oh, nice. for our conversation with yeah. the coaches presented by Elite Eye Care. And uh, that'll be happening on CISN about 6.30 or so. Okay. Get to hear from Coach Pizzetti. Fun conversation as always with him. Also Gary Swenson and what turns out to be almost a weekly conversation with Gary <laughs> as I've been on Valley a lot here the last few weeks. But always love talking to Coach Swenson and he loves to give me crap. That's what he does every He's single He's a week. good man. I have a great deal of respect for both of them. Um, mm-hmm. been, um, Two of the greats. They are and they've been facing each other for a long, long time. So good. Good for that. Uh, good for you for that one. I mean, Centennial's got a, a tough task, I would right. think, the way Valley's playing. Uh, but stranger things have happened. And there was a strange one last night in the desert, the desert of Arizona. Um, 
What a game. <laughs> it was incredible, wasn't it? It really and truly was. And you came up with a little nugget here when we checked in this morning before we went on the air. Our production meeting. Yeah, our production meeting, right. <laughs> um, our show prep is done the night before. Yes. Or the day before, whenever the games are unfolding. But anyways, this we began last night 27 straight days of football. Wow. There's going to be football on. We get Maction back starting next I'm week. I'm all for it. Uh, so away we go. This is the time that you're a football fan. Mm-hmm. You're going to be able to flip on your TV every single night. You're going to find football. Wow. On. Good. That's great. Um, it's great. I'm going to go the other way. Positive. Positive, right. We know it's coming. It'll be here before we know, but I'm not going to bring it up. Uh, but let's just a couple of minutes on the game last yeah. night. I mean, this Aaron Rodgers, man, he's my favorite quarterback. Other than Elway, maybe ever, him and Favre and that next tier for me. But just watching this guy dissect defenses, and he took some hits last night, Trent. When he tried to score, uh, when he tried the quarterback, well, the play broke down. He tried to, to carry it in the end zone. But when he threw a pass in 97, was flagged for uh, unnecessary roughness, which he should have been. I mean, the, that should have been if there was a penalty more than 15 yards, he would have qualified for it. I just have to wonder if he's going to hear from the league because that was way after the whistle mm-hmm. and his entire body weight came down on Aaron Rodgers. It was getting very chippy throughout that game, and that was a big one there. Oh. As he was trying to score, as you mentioned, three guys around him. My wife, who is a Vikings fan and does not like Aaron Rodgers, said, Oh, man, what a wimp. Why didn't he reach for the goal line there? Oh, my God. There's three guys around him. I, of course, as a Bears fan, also not a big Aaron Rodgers fan because of what he's done to my team. I love watching him play just like you. But, yeah, I'm like, come on, Terry. He he cannot reach for the goal line there. He got absolutely covered. If he could, he would. And that still shot of him... With his chin strap kind of up. Oh my God, that is going to be everywhere on the internet. That'll live on the internet forever. Yes, his eyes just a glaze. Mm -hmm. He didn't look right in that one Mm -hmm. moment. Just Mm -hmm. a still shot as he continued on in the game. (laughs) What I loved watching, though, is we know the depleted wide receiver group that they had last night. And though you get a little whiny, I don't know. Who, Rodgers, you mean? His leadership style is not... I don't think they'd write a book about it. How about that? He's not a guy that... I think does everything exactly the right way. Now, there's more than one way to skin a cat. You can be a different leader being a different kind of guy, and he certainly is. But the way that he would work with the guys, dress them down if need be, and then pick them up. There was, uh, we were just talking about the guy, number eight last night, Mm -hmm. who had to play early in the game. He had a drop, wide open, out on the right side, flipped it out, and went right back to him, though. Went right back to him, I think a play or two later, those are the kind of things he understands, he knows, that you have to do. Young guy, you got to pick him up. You can't just, it can't be the whip every single time. You know, you got to give him the carrot every once in a while. And Aaron Rodgers, I thought, did a really good job of that with that young group last night. Yeah, I know he did. I mean, Aikman at one point said you could just see the, the, the daggers coming out of Rodgers' eyes <laughs> yeah. as he was staring at him uh, after he, you know, whatever, if whatever ran a, a bad route or dropped a pass. But good God, what a what a football game last night. A crazy ending. Just a bizarre ending, right? With Green not turning around and Douglas. It looked like Green was playing defense. Yeah, and, and not the very ball good. Was meant for, <laughs> right. In that case. Uh, but what, he would have been cut start. if he actually was a cornerback mm. after that one. Mm. Not looking for the ball yeah, I mean, on that. You know what that play is. Now, I think Kyler should have put a little more air under that one. That was one. Mm-hmm. You don't see the jump ball, quote-unquote, that you did in the past so often on those fades in the end zone where they just throw it up, have your wider receiver jump up. They're doing more of that kind of back shoulder throw. You see a lot of that. And that means it's on the line a lot more. 
That was one, though, where you just felt like that's when you get mm. air underneath. You, you put it right on the sideline there, and the only way that it's going to be not a touchdown is it's going to be deflected away. The way that he threw that one let A.J. Green, he just didn't get his head around. How, yeah. How can that happen? And he was asked afterwards, A.J. Green saw a quote from him where he just said, I don't know. You know, no that was excuse- his response. Yeah, yeah. no excuses, yeah. nothing like that. It was just it's kind of one of those plays. <laughs> As Kirk Ferentz said, it's football. football. <laughs> that was football, and that was a hell of a football game last night. God, it was entertaining. How do the Packers just continually do this? Trent, though? I don't know. It's, it's, I think Even it's, the defense. I mean, that has nothing yes. to do with Aaron Rodgers. No, and they were getting after Murray last night. They were. Night. Defensive front was really mm-hmm. good. Gary continues to be an absolute terror. Yeah, unfortunately, the first play of the game, the face mask, right? Yeah, first yeah. offensive play of the game. Uh, but yeah, he's uh, his lights come on. Do you remember coming out of the draft? The criticism he takes plays off. He's mm-hmm. lazy, right? This guy's never going to be a good pro. Does he have the motor? Right, the, precisely. That's the that's the key word there. But that motor has kicked in and has uh, been going uh, all season long. Plenty. And the Devondre, Devondre Campbell story. I love that dude, the yeah. linebacker. Yep. Guy was out on the street, and mm-hmm. now what he's turned into, really good one there. 7-1, and one. and mm. two years ago when Lafleur takes over. All right, they go 12-4, 13-3, whatever it was. 13-3, I think it was. Yeah, but look at all the close wins they had. You can't sustain that in the NFL and win that way, and then they do it again last year. Well, you can't do it three years in a row. Here they are, 7-1. and one. Yeah, and and here's the good news. If you're a Packers fan, you now have a tiebreaker over Arizona mm-hmm. who's going to be in the playoffs, and um, that that matters. Look, it's um, it, it's incredibly fun to just watch two good football teams, and that's what we saw last night. Kyler, there were moments late in the game when they got the ball after the stop on downs at the one. You can still see, though, the limitations of him. And the interception, you really, I don't think you can mm-hmm. put on him. You mm-hmm. can argue what kind of play call you have there. I understand that. But when they were back at the one, and there were the first two plays, the first one, how uncomfortable he looked because he couldn't go back. I think they were inside the one. They were, yeah, exactly. Started half-yard line. Half-yard away from the goal line. Yeah. And because he is so short, he has to get so much depth mm-hmm. behind the line of scrimmage, and he couldn't do that because mm-hmm. it would be safety. If he stepped up and there. And the arc he has to throw on the foot. But look at the one he threw to Hopkins. And the one over the middle that got them the first down, they got to the 23 and they are off and running after that. Just even look at that as he's kind of pitter-pattering the feet mm-hmm. and waiting there. You could just you could tell he was uncomfortable because he wasn't able to be Kyler. That guy's incredible, though. For a guy yeah, that he's good, short. Trent. He's really good. To be able to do it. Oh, by the way, he was yeah. also a first-round Fifth overall pick. pick. <laughs> Baseball. For the Oakland A's. Eh, some guys have it all, don't they? Well, he's one of them. Yeah. He's one of them. God, he's good. That's a fun team. Yes. To watch Arizona. They're going to be a pain in the you-know-what in the NFC West. No J.J. Know. Watt the rest of the year. No, he's done. Shocker. He's always hurt, sadly. Yeah. I mean, always... Look at how many games he's missed. Anyways, uh, really good stuff. Baseball returns tonight. Looking forward to Game 3 not being interrupted by football. The The college slate, is there is there a game? No, I don't think there is, right? No, there's there's nothing to get over. I mean, that's what I mean. About, yeah. Nevada, UNLV. UNLV's playing better. They are, yeah. But um, Nevada's pretty good in their own right. Navy, Tulsa. Two yeah. teams. No, I'm watching baseball. Yeah. I'm watching baseball, regardless of what's on. Game three, pour moi tonight. Uh, Garcia. Uh, who will go for the... Ian Anderson. Uh, Anderson. Ian Anderson, yeah. yes. Ian Anderson. He's been good in these playoffs. Mm-hmm. Uh, big game, obviously. Pivotal. An odd, an odd number game. Yes. I had those numbers, if you take game one, what it is. Mm-hmm. I wondered a tie series. Mm-hmm. You take game three. Who wins game three? We know game does? five is huge. If it's 2-2 and you take game five... I think it's something like 78% of the time you go on to win the series. 
Yeah, I wonder in a 1-1 series. I'm going to see if I can find that maybe mm-hmm. during one of the breaks here. But I'm with you. That's uh, that's going to be certainly on the DVR, and I'll probably end up watching it live after I finish up <laughs> high school football duties here this evening. Looking forward to it. It's been a series that two games that were close, right? but still had intrigue, yeah. I think, in both of them. And the way the Houston bounced back in Game 2, Atlanta taking Game 1, starting with Solaire. But a fun start to the series. TV doesn't matter to us, and I don't think to our listeners, ultimately. No. I know we love to talk about it, and it's a talking point. If you like baseball, you're watching Turn the game. Turn the game on. If you don't, don't. Yeah, right. Enjoy watching Navy yeah. Tulsa and two awful football teams play each other. If no, that's your numbers are down. Team, yeah. Numbers are down. Big deal. Right. I, I'm going to watch. You're going to watch, and I think uh, Numbers are the same audience. in the Condon and the Miller household. Yes, indeed. <laughs> the game is on. Uh, and there'll be games on tomorrow, obviously. Let's spend a minute on Wisconsin-Iowa. Mm-hmm. Do likewise with uh, West Virginia and Iowa State. Um, as I mentioned, all the guys at Yahoo Sports are picking the Hawks to win this game. Trent is to cover. Pretty, to, to, well, to cover, right? Right. Yeah, they get the three and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's, it's, is it as simple as who runs the ball better is going to win the football game? Well, if that's the case, I was in big trouble. They're in really big trouble. Even in the two victories that they've had against Wisconsin over the last 11, and that's right, they're two and nine mm-hmm. in the last 11 meetings. You look last season, well, Tyler Goodson had over 100 yards, well, 80 of them. Came out one play as they salted away late. Up until that point, they were not running the football very effectively, and they just haven't been against the 3-4 defense of Wisconsin. You go back to 2015, Wisconsin really outplayed Iowa. And outside of Nate Meyer making that play on the goal line, Iowa loses that football game against the Badgers as they were going in. Was it Stave, I think, was the quarterback at the yep, time? I think he was, yeah. He got his foot stepped on by the center. Uh-huh. Meyer punches the ball out, and Iowa recovers. What a game. On 10-6. Yeah, what a game. And we very well could be training here. But if it's as simple as that... I think I was in big trouble. I don't see them running the football at all. We talked about the inside linebackers for Wisconsin this week. If it comes down to a running game, that's what Wisconsin does. All right, let's let's break it down this way. Both teams have elite defenses. Call mm-hmm. that a wash. Yep. Both are very good. I agree. Yep. Both teams struggle passing the football. Mm-hmm. I would take better and right. haven't been at the level that we've seen. Certainly, yeah, Wisconsin Mertz. has no receivers. Iowa has not been great, though, running the football. Uh-huh. And Wisconsin's figured that out. As of late, they have been a lot they better. Have. The offensive line for Wisconsin is starting to gel and look like a mm-hmm. Wisconsin offensive line. And the two kids, the Clemson transfer, Malusi, and the and you said he's 17. I knew he was a freshman. I didn't yeah. realize he was 17. Because he reclassified. He, he's supposed to be in high school right now. Jeez, can He'd you imagine senior. that kid in high school? Because he's 220, is he yeah. not? He played, uh, what, Fond du Lac, I think is where he's from. Wow. And that dude. Oh, yeah. I'd like to see him on a Friday night. Some business decisions made, I'm assuming. It's like watching Derrick Henry in the NFL, except at the high school level. There's another one. Can you imagine him at high school? I loved when when he was at Alabama. They used to play his high school highlights all the time. Mm -hmm. It really did look like he was playing against eighth graders. Mm -hmm. That's what he was. No, that was a varsity football game Mm -hmm. because he's just an absolute monster. And he got the same thing there. I think that's the nervous part about that. If it becomes just who can run the football. I don't think Iowa can win. I think this is really a game. This Petrus has to win it? Petrus has to win mm-hmm. this football game. I don't see effectiveness with Goodson. Yeah, could it be a game where they get four turnovers, they get a couple of short fields? Sure, yeah, you could play that. But if it's basically an even game, yeah. if there's nothing goofy, Charlie Jones doesn't have a punt return for a touchdown, just straight up. And Iowa's he's due, doing, by the way. He's yes, he He's is. been on the cusp of breaking one. And Wisconsin has not been great in the return unit, something okay. to keep an eye on, too. But... If it's down to just straight-up football, take special teams aside, I think Iowa's only chance of winning this football game is Spencer Petras Mm -hmm. has to win it. He's got to get it out quick. He's got to make good decisions very quickly. He can't stand in the pocket and wait because he's not going to have much time with that offensive line to wait. This is get the ball out, get Tyrone Tracy involved, 
Get those freshman receivers involved now after the bye week. If that happens, and I think they will, Trent, because that's been a big talking point. It was a big talking Mm -hmm. point coming out of the Purdue game, and it's been a big talking point all throughout the bye and and carried over this week. Have you looked at the weather for Madison? And I guess I'm more concerned about the wind. Right. I mean, temperatures can be cold, right? And we're at least probably 30s, 40s, whatever at game time. But what about the winds? I'm with you. I think this is a Spencer Petras game. I think Spencer Petras has to carry this team. And when I mean that, I don't mean he has to. To throw for three or four touchdowns. Right. We're not Just, talking. No, we're not even talking. If he gets to 190 yards, that that's yeah. You know what? If they get if he throws for a buck ninety, they will win the football game. <laughs> Look at what we're saying here. That's the way it is, though. Complete 60 percent of your passes. Don't mm-hmm. turn it over, and they win 17-13. Right, exactly. That's how it is done here. Just some semblance of a passing game. That's enough. Uh, conditions for tomorrow in Madison. There is just a five percent chance of rain. 49 degrees at kickoff. No wind on that. On that uh, Eight miles an hour. That's not bad. No. That's not bad. Right. Uh, conversely, uh, this, is a, this is a tricky spot for, for Iowa State. Uh, mm-hmm. West Virginia, like I've seen them play a couple of times, and we've said it all week. You, you, it's a Jekyll and Hyde, the quarterback. Yeah. Daggy is, and it's not just game to game. It's possession to possession. Sure. Because one time he'll look like, you know, all world. And then the next time he thinks, like, how's this kid? Did they have nobody else? Mm-hmm. Um, they can run the football. Letty Brown is good. Brees Hall is better. Um, their defense is okay. But Iowa State, when you take a look, when you compare the rosters, Trent, it's not even close. No, it, it really isn't. This West Virginia defense is better. Mm-hmm. They're, they're getting mm-hmm. there. Stills has been there forever. Right. I do wonder about the backup quarterback. Deggy, like you said, he's a statue back there. He's much like Spencer Petras. There's not any movement at all to his game. But when they bring in Garrett Green, it is a different dimension. He's not a great thrower of the football, but he can run it. And with him and Letty Brown, getting some things out on the edges. Of course, we know the reason that Haycock and company went to the three three five and all the passing mm-hmm. game of, of the Big 12 as a whole and how it just completely changed what they are and their identity as people across the country, both NFL and college, have copied exactly what they've done. But with his dimension as a runner, you think back to the first half of the Baylor game and some of the problems that they had out on the edge with that. If this is a game where Deggy right away doesn't have it, if it becomes a green game, where green becomes a quarterback, because I've seen a lot of clamoring from West Virginia have fans you? that are ready to just turn it over to yeah. him. Just to go with the guy I can understand it. That, that can run it, that guy that can help things out with him and Letty Brown and what they can do offensively you know, with those own reads and the like. Mm-hmm. So just something to keep an eye on there. If it's a struggle early on, don't be surprised if we see the backup from West Virginia. Yeah, you know, I, I'm trying to think. I don't recall him being in a game that I've seen. I'm not saying that he hasn't been, but um, I just, just Daggy just sticks out because, like I say, one series good, one series bad. He played a lot in the game against Baylor. The Baylor blew them okay. out. And that was, I think, when the mm-hmm. the murmurs really started for him. Hey, let's try something else. It's just, you're not going to get to even probably six victories with Daggy yeah. as a quarterback. Let's try something out and hope for the future. Because ultimately, I still think Neil Brown's a good coach. And we saw Matt Wells already fired that group of four that came in. One of them, Les Miles, yeah. only right. made it, what, a year? Before he was out the door, two years out, two, the, yeah. out the door. Wells, two and a half. And now mm-hmm. you have the two remaining with him, Ed and Kleiman. And I like both of those guys. I think both of those guys have a chance. It just comes down to any more in college football. How much time do you give people? And I think West Virginia anticipated they were going to be better. Kansas State, State certainly the same thing. Mm-hmm. Their schedule eases up, but those are two guys 
feel like they need to get to six to feel good about going into their fourth year. Yeah, that, I, I think that I think that's fair. Well, we'll see. Look, Brock Purdy's the best quarterback on the field. Mm-hmm. We can talk about the West Virginia quarterback. Yes. If Purdy plays the way he's playing, Iowa State will win and win convincingly. Hutchinson's playing at an incredibly high level. Uh, Noel looks like they found something in him. We know what Brees Hall does. The offensive line is solidified. The defense speaks for itself. Don't have a punter. Got a good kicker. Iowa State's got a, a better roster. Just real quick on this, because we've talked about it uh, since it happened. Joel Quinwell was, well, he resigned, yeah. uh, but he was pushed. I still don't understand the league allowing him to coach on, what night was it? I guess Wednesday night they allowed him to coach, which was an awful look on the league. Everybody that was in the room and what we're talking about uh, is the Kyle Beachy, uh, the, the sexual cover-up, uh, the sexual... A predator uh, whose name is still on the Stanley Cup, Aldridge, the Brad Aldridge, the um, who was part of that staff. Although the, he is going to have his name taken off the cup, um, apparently. But there's one guy left, and he meets with the commissioner today. He's the general manager now of the Winnipeg Jets. Kevin Chevaldeoff is his name. He's the last one that decided to um, look the other way. There's one other guy. You know who else did? Donald Fair, who was the head of the Players Association. He was the old MLB Players Union yes. guy. He's now in the NA. He's now the Players okay. Association, the head of the NHL. He was aware of it and kept his mouth shut. Hideous. So they are all going, and they all need to. It, it, it's a 26-minute video, and maybe you've heard about it. Um, where a guy from TSN, which is the Canadian equivalent of ESPN, sits down with Beachy. It is gut wrenching. I really? watched it last night. It is just it just makes you sick. The one guy that had apologized uh, up until the, the firings yesterday was the victim. Was the player um, that was violated? He apologized. You know who he apologized to? The fourteen year old kid who was victimized by this uh, Aldrich, who Joel Quinville wrote a letter of recommendation. In, on his behalf. Anyways, it's been a big story all week long. That's not going to end it, but it's uh, certainly coming to an end, and everybody that needed to walk the plank is, with one exception, and that should happen today. All right, uh, Miller and Condon. We will hear from Tom Cakert. We'll hear from Dave Sprout in this hour, but right now it's time for another $1,000 handoff. Text the keyword green to 200, 200 right now. It's your chance to win $1,000. Green to 200, 200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. All right. Green to 200, 200. Tom Cakert on the Hawks. Dave Sprow on the Cyclones. Miller and Condon until noon on 1460 KXNO 106.3. That's off. Back to Miller and Condon. On 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. All right, 10.30. Welcome back. Miller and Condon, 1460 KXNO, 106.3 FM. Just looked at the forecast in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Bode well. Rain tonight, rain tomorrow. Oh. Yeah, brutal today. What have we got? Um... Where's tonight's for? Rain showers this evening, overcast. Chance of rain, 50. Chance of rain tomorrow night, 50% as well. All fingers crossed. We shall get it in. That will be not whether it'll rain or not, but Mm -hmm. there is a Claxons, uh, there is a MLB question in the Claxons for later on. Let's get Tom Cakert in here, HawkeyeReport.com. He joins the program. Hello, Tom Cakert. How are you? Doing well. Hope you guys are going up. 
doing okay, too. Absolutely, and can't wait for tomorrow at 11 o'clock in the morning. Before we get there, Tom, uh, the playoff format is being, expansion format is being kicked around again by uh, decision makers, and apparently the biggest decision is whether to go 8 or 12. Seems like 12 is going to be the answer because apparently if they go to 8, there's not going to be any more money, really, just more inventory. If they go to 12, that's an extra $450 million, according to a story that I just read at Sports Illustrated. I'm guessing that's how it's going to prevail. That without the, the money, they'll take the money, don't you? Money talks, right? It does. And that's it, it, it was a financial decision to go to four. It was a financial decision to look at expansion. And uh, if you're going to get that much more money, that you can distribute to those conferences and um, and to the athletic. Guess where it's going to go? It's <laughs> they're going to take the money. They the one thing about college sports that we know is that they will always take the money. Yeah. What will they play the first round? Trent is a he's he's all and he's right. I'm with him. Um, you know, play play the first round on campus. What's the likelihood that happens, fellas? Boy. It's a good question. I hope it happens because I think that would be really cool. I, I think it'd be cool if somebody had to come to Iowa mm-hmm. or come to Michigan or Michigan State or some, you know, a, a Florida or an Alabama or somebody like the LSU mm-hmm. come north in, in December and play a football game. I think that that makes it uh, interesting. Um, but um, I boy the. the the college people are just so tied into that bowl system that really needs to be blown up. And um, that's the thing that worries you is that the, they're going to just incorporate it into the bowl system because that's those good old boys scratch their backs too. Mm-hmm. It's baffling anymore. I understand back when athletic directors, they were just university employees and they weren't making a ton of money. <laughs> but athletic directors today are making hundreds of thousands, sometimes millions of dollars to run athletic departments. Who gives a crap if you get a free round of golf in Arizona? Do what's best for the sport. It's just, it's baffling that still today, in today's environment, that these athletic directors are still so easily swayed by these guys in their dorky jackets. It just, it's baffling to me, Tom. Yeah, just, it's crazy, but you see it. I I see it every Saturday. Those guys are just, (laughs) you know, they're always sitting, you know, after the game, I look over and there's the two bowl guys sitting with Gary Barda. Mm -hmm. You know, just, that's how it is. I've been told it's the it's the most plum job maybe in all of sports, being a bull representative, just flying around and getting your you-know-what kissed, whatever stadium you happen to be at. And then uh, it's a, there's a reason all of these guys that hold those jobs, Tom, are, are, are old. <laughs> That's the, because it's, so, it's, such a, it's such a cush, plum, well-paying job. Yeah, you just, you know, Perks. even just the, the, the bull reps, the guys that just do it for – publicity or whatever i mean they're still flying around they're going to a nice steakhouse on friday night oh, yeah. and yeah. hanging out and just you know it's it's a, it's a cush gig man indeed well let's get to the game itself tom boy it's um we had Kenny White on, who is a um, one of the preeminent line makers in all of Nevada. I mean, he set the lines on the strip in the early eight, late 80s, early 90s. Now he's got his own service. His number for the total, ready for this, Tom? 29 and a half is, is, was, was his number. I don't think that's crazy. I could see 20. I mean, and that might go under. I don't know anybody... I know some people who who bet, and I don't know anyone who is betting the over in this game. They're, mm-hmm. The only people are like, yeah, thirty six and a half. I, give me, give me under, and I think that's what uh, 
I mean, does anybody think that uh, both teams are going over 20 tomorrow? I don't. I don't either. I heard you uh, talking about playing around maybe with the teaser here. You get Iowa up to 10.5 and and you get that over-under jumped up to, what, 42.5 and and take the under on that. It's a pretty nice teaser there, a Mm -hmm. six-pointer. Yeah, that's what you could do. Mm-hmm. I mean, I you know that was my suggestion on our podcast. Is if that's you want to mm-hmm. want to play it, just uh, don't buy up a little bit, and uh, you really know, and, and and then just uh, get that number up a little higher, and, and you'll get fairly decent odds if you want. Throw in that Michigan over under too, and and yeah, uh, you know. Under. Tease that up too, because that's going to go under as well. I, I think, so. Tom. I don't bet the locals, but man, oh man, if I was ever to change, change that policy, uh, that this might—that's a really good bet. But while well, we remember what happened a few years back when they went to Wisconsin and had sixty-six yards of total offense, and it was as bad, and only thing they could do was get two pick sixes out of Joshua Jackson mm-hmm. as they were blown Who out. Just in that got, one. Did, did he got get cut by cut? the Giants. That's what yeah. I saw. So, Tom, with that, I maintain if I was going to win this football game, short of getting a bunch of turnovers, short of Charlie Jones having a couple of returns for touchdowns, Spencer Petras is going to have to win this game. Is mm-hmm. is that too much? And if it is that, not that he has to throw for 300 yards, that's ridiculous, but he just has to play really well for Iowa to have a chance. Can he against this Wisconsin defense? I think he can, and I think you're absolutely right, because I just don't see Iowa being able to run the ball just based on what we've seen. The evidence we've seen in the first half of the season from what Wisconsin can do against the run and what Iowa has been able to do running the football, the evidence just is not there that Iowa's going to come out and run for 200 yards or 150 yards in this game. It's just not. I think the two keys are Petrus being able to throw the ball and and make some plays uh, in the air and get the ball to Tyrone Tracy and Keegan Johnson and Arlen Bruce, guys like that, Mm -hmm. Amy Laporta. Um, But also it's Iowa needs to shut down Wisconsin. They've got it going. They've figured out their formula. They're not letting Graham Mertz throw it 30 times anymore. They're just going to let him throw it maybe 10. Heck, he threw eight times last week, guys. <laughs> no, eight. he did. <laughs> That's unbelievable. Talk, go ahead. They gotta stop the, if they can stop the run, uh, Wisconsin's run game, Iowa can, can win the game. Yeah, asking a lot because uh, the run game is uh, is finally starting to look like Wisconsin running the football again. Tom, is it is it too simple to say that the winner of this game gets to Indianapolis? I mean, the Gophers look as though they have a pulse. I'm not sure they're on the same level as Iowa and and Wisconsin, but you know that game looms in a couple of weeks. Does the winner of this football game represent the West in Indianapolis? I think if it's Iowa, I would say yeah. I, I think so, because I was going to get Minnesota at home. Um, if it's Wisconsin, yeah, the Badgers still have to go to Minneapolis, right? Yeah, end of the, the year. End, yeah. I think it's at Minnesota. So, I mean, could uh, you know that makes it uh, a little more challenging. Uh, but I think if Iowa wins, I, I think they're in real good shape to get to Indianapolis. Yeah, you're certainly in the driver's seat, and even if there is a hiccup there, I think they're going to be in good shape ultimately to make their way to Indianapolis. Talked about the return game, talked about special teams. I want to go to Torrey Taylor with you. You He was so ridiculously good in the Penn State game, at the Iowa State game, but there's been moments where he's not perfect. Is it just kind of going through it again the first time a full season now after the truncated season of a year ago? He just hasn't been maybe as consistent as you want. What you've seen out of him and Shudak, also had a second miss of the season. Just take away on special teams in the kicking game. 
Yeah, I think they're going to be fine. Um, the Shudak one was just, that was weird. That was like mm-hmm. a, you know, a misfired duck, wounded duck coming out of there um, from short range. So, uh, but he's been really good and good on kickoffs. Taylor's going to have, you know, you're just going to kind of miss sometimes. And, and he's had a couple more of those that, this year than he has any other times and maybe not gotten the, the kind of the ball to turn over as much um, this year as opposed to last year. But I, I'm pretty confident that he's going to, um, you know, he, he's going to be ready to go. Maybe a tired leg. I don't know. They're, mm-hmm. they're certainly working him a lot this year. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Uh, Tom Caker at HawkeyeReport.com. Tom, let me pick your brain on the other, the two other big uh, games uh, in the conference. Michigan, uh, Michigan State, you talked about that a little bit. But then the night game, Penn State, who uh, coming off that nine-overtime loss thing. <laughs> Crazy to say, may never say it again, uh, win or loss. Uh, and they take on the Buckeyes, who, yes, their record it looks good, and it looks like their defense is coming around, but, man, they have played nobody since the loss to uh, Oregon. What do you make of the night game, Tom? Penn State, Ohio State. Yeah. Um, by the way, I had a uh, under uh, on the uh, Illinois-Penn uh, State game and cashed that. Wow. So that, was a, that was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Who knew nine overtimes right. could cash us? Cash and under, but we did it. So uh, frame that one in the Hall of Fame. Um, I think you're right about the Ohio State thing. They have not played anybody. But having said that, I wonder if um, Penn State is just kind of done. Mm, wheels coming and, off. You know, with all the James Franklin stuff floating around, I just wonder if they might be um, be cooked a little bit. So. Yeah, uh, and Michigan, uh, Michigan State. I think that's going to be a really good game. Uh, very interesting. I, I think it's going to be a, a slugfest. Um, and uh, both those teams want it bad, and uh, it's a statement game for both of those programs. We know Iowa's not going to change their identity, who they are, but wrinkles with the bye week here, getting ready for Wisconsin, knowing the importance of this game. Remember just a season ago, you could tell how much they put into that game as they pulled away late to win it 28-7. You know, with that extra week to prepare, is this where we see the first goofy special teams play? Is LeVar Woods got something <laughs> up his sleeve? Coming off a bye a few years back against Minnesota, they came out for the first time in a 4-2-5. What kind of wrinkle do you anticipate this week? Um, you know, defensively, um, they basically said on Tuesday that they were going to go with the three-linebacker lineup. So, Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's what they're going to end up doing is uh, is go with that three linebacker look and Justin Jacobs out there, um, you know, and they'll have to have to figure out what they're going to do, um, you know, to try and stuff that run because, you know, while Iowa's been pretty good against the run, I don't know that they've been great against the run. So um, they're going to have to stuff that up uh, pretty well. And and you know, that's a good point about the maybe coming up with uh, a, a special teams wrinkle of some sort because I. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that might be something that they look at doing. Tom Caker at HawkeyeReport.com. Tom, thank you. We will uh, talk with you next week and read all the stuff you've got going on at HawkeyeReport.com. What time are you going to get to the press box tomorrow, Tom? 9? 8.30? Yeah, I think probably, you know, between 8.30 and 9.00. Got us, uh, you know, we got it rough. We got to walk 20 minutes (laughs) from the parking garage. So it's a little bit of a hike. So I'll get my steps in tomorrow, which is a good thing. Good stuff. Thank you, Tom. Appreciate it. Talk to you next week. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Tom Kickert, HawkeyeReport.com. From the Hawks to the Clones, Dave Sproul is next. Uh, KSI up in Ames. That's where the Cyclones play in Story County. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 1460 KXNO and 106. KXNO.
I'm Miller Condon. Welcome back. 1460 KXNO 106.3 FM. Most bet on game by bets. Most bet on game by money. It's one and the same. What team, what school is getting all of those wagers? You got me on we the spot talked here. about that during yesterday, I think. I couldn't see anybody betting this. They're all over what dog? West Virginia? Sparty. Oh, yeah. Michigan State, a lot of love for Sparty. Mm. Dave Sproul, KSI fourteen thirty on the AM dial. You two were in your glory this week on Twitter, reliving the past ah. thirty years ago. <laughs> your twins. That was a remarkable World Series. It really and truly was. Uh, game six, and we'll see you tomorrow night. And game seven, that pitching matchup. Uh, that's one you'll never forget, is it, Twins fan Dave Sproul? Not at all. You know, the reality is, of course, now that we have to live with the 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 knowledge that we'll never be that happy again in our lives. But we'll always have those moments. Yeah, indeed you will. And you know what? I, I know that I'm way, there's very few that have the same opinion that I do when it comes to the Metrodome. God, I loved that building. Yuck. I know it. I just loved it, Dave. Where were you on the Metrodome? Gross. Uh, especially by the time it got to the end of its life. I mean, I always look forward to going there because that's where my favorite teams played. Right. But especially going to Twins games, man, it was not a great environment. Beautiful summer afternoon in, yeah. in Minneapolis, and you're sitting inside under a big vinyl canopy. I mean, that's no fun. Well, here's what it was for me. I mean, I knew that when I was still in Winnipeg, I knew that I was going to drive eight hours and I was going to see a game, damn it, because it's not going to be rained out and I'm going to be pissed off that I drove all that far and it's raining. You could have gone to Hubert's if there was a rain out. I could have done that. Back there's, in the day. There's, there's something to be said for that. Well, let's get to the uh, to the Cyclones in West Virginia tomorrow. Of course, the game is on KSI and down the hall here on 100.3 The Bus. ESPN Plus has the game at 1 o'clock. Uh, Dave, look, it sounds like a broken record, but man, oh man, this last couple of weeks, Brock Purdy, he's playing as well as, and I'm a Seneca guy, right? I thought Seneca was uh, the the answer to the question, who's the best quarterback to ever play at Iowa State, Seneca Wallace, period. But man, oh man, this Purdy, the streak that he is on right now, he's maybe making me have second thoughts on my opinion. Playing at a high level, Dave Sproul, he is really, really good right now. Yeah, I'm going to go out on a limb and say if he keeps completing 80% of his passes right. per game, I think he's going to be just fine. And that Iowa State's probably going to win a few more games. And the thing that's really striking about it, he's not doing this by making a lot of spectacular passes. The touchdown to Sean Shaw, K State, and that, mm-hmm. that second touchdown to Xavier Hutchinson on the same drive, you know, those were really well thrown yeah. passes. But he doesn't do that a lot. He's just so adept at finding guys who are so open. Uh, and, and one of the things that Iowa State scheme does is it gets guys out in the space and gives them some room. And he is such a good decision maker that he really is able to find those guys in space, get to the ball where they need it, and, and let them get yards after the catch too. Uh, and occasionally, yeah, he'll fit some some really tight windows. But it's just it's really the decision making and uh, the calm with which he plays that really makes him stand out. This West Virginia team built uh, maybe a little differently than some people would anticipate. Deggy, not a real runner back there. We're not going back to the days of Pat White you know, running things with West Virginia, getting yeah. up and down Boy, the field. Good, wasn't he? Yes, Jeez. he was. The, uh, the defense, though, is playing at a really high level here. Is that maybe the more concerning aspect here of just the ability of West Virginia to get off the field and get some stops against this Iowa State offense? 
Yeah, West Virginia's defense definitely is, is more of a uh, threat than its offense, uh, certainly. Uh, although I don't, I don't know that I've seen enough out of them. I'm, I know the numbers are good, but yeah. that, I really think they're going to be able to slow down Iowa State's offense enough. And the West Virginia offense, I don't think, is going to be able to keep up uh, with that. So I think Iowa State just needs to put together some good drives. I mean, the formula for this one may be similar to the one uh, for Kansas State, where you get some long, sustained drives and keep the, that uh, offense, out, the West Virginia offense, out the field, and you keep wearing down that defense and you know slapping the energy out of them and just uh, you know take control of that game, get some uh, solid runs from Brees Hall. You know, breaking five, seven yards per carry should be should be a pretty uh, good formula. Reasonable expectations, yeah, yeah, good formula, and then. You know, you punctuate that with the play action passes by Purdy, and you got a pretty good offensive combo. So I think uh, if Iowa State wins this one, and I, I lean towards they will, uh, that uh, it'll probably look pretty similar to the way they won against K State. Uh, you're uh, you listen to Matt Campbell an awful lot, and have uh, since he's since he's got here. You um, help help me. I'll try to interpret what he means when he's talking about Mike Rose because he did wasn't able to finish the game. He's clearly hurt, and he's been hurt for some time. He's such a good player. What do you think the likelihood is that Mike Rose is going to play tomorrow? From uh, listening to the players, I don't think that Rose was made available this week. When you heard Campbell speak uh, about the likelihood whether he will or will not play, how did you interpret it? Well, when uh, Campbell was asked about the nature of Rose's injury, he turned that into a world-class word salad. So it's really hard to determine exactly what's wrong with Rose at the moment. But uh, Campbell also said that Rose was able to practice on Sunday and Monday leading into Tuesday's press conference. And on Wednesday night, John Haycock indicated that Rose was still practicing. So I'm guessing it's probably better than 50-50 that he'll play at least some uh, whether he can go out there for a whole game is another matter because it might be a type of situation where if he uh, takes a hit to the wrong spot or the pain gets to be too much, he might have to come out and rest for at least a little while. And you can feel pretty good about that with the way Orion Vance has played. And uh, we saw Eric Horn get a lot of playing time when Rose got banged up last week. So I think we'll see Mike Rose play just based on the fact that he has been able to practice this week. But I don't think he's going to be 100% out there and probably we'll see uh, more time off the field than we typically see from him just to rust up and make sure he doesn't get uh, injured any worse. Dave, you can tell I'm a Hawkeye fan because I feel like I bring up punting with you all the time, but <laughs> Mavis got got the full opportunity last week. It wasn't great by any means. Do you go back to the well with him? What do you do there? Because a game like this, it just man, it's cold and it's West Virginia and you're in a slog kind of game. Field position and punting matters here. What do you anticipate they're going to do back there? I think uh, Mavis did enough last week to earn another opportunity, especially compared to the competition. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, <laughs> Cameron Chuck and Corey Dunn weren't exactly letting the world on fire. And Mavis had a couple real boomers there. He had a couple of very unimpressive kicks there, too. But I, I think we can see what the ceiling is with him at the very least when he can really let it loose and kick it deep. Uh, I think uh, he's probably got more distance on his kicks than, than anyone else available right now for Iowa State. So I think you'll see Mevis out there, and unless he consistently uh, is hitting him off the side of his foot, he'll be the punter for 
uh, at least uh, one more week and probably uh, more than that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Craig McDonald certainly is taking advantage of his opportunities. There have been a number of guys. Uh, Fra- Frailer, uh, Bo Frailer, a couple of weeks ago, maybe three weeks ago now. Craig McDonald's last two games. Uh, Iowa State looks like they've got something. There. We're starting to see some of these younger players. I think Campbell says to it, uh, he makes them play them, uh, meaning that they show up in practice and they do all the right things and he gets them on the field. And Craig McDonald's the latest one to take advantage of that opportunity. Looks like they have something here in him. Yeah, and, and he provides a little flexibility, too, because, you know, we talked about this last week, I think, a little bit, too, in that they were able to play McDonald, move Eisworth over. Um, I'm not sure the terminology they use, but I think it would be basically to the free safety uh, position because uh, Kamani King has been banged up a little bit. Aishim Young has been banged up a little bit. They're still out there trying to lay some licks out there, but Eisworth is, is a guy you can move around a little bit, and he's a guy who's going to play through pain, too. Uh, so McDonald kind of helps you with uh, the depth and the flexibility, and then you got uh, you know, some young guys like T.J. Tampa uh, again some mm-hmm. playing time uh, last week, uh, last few weeks, in fact, uh, as a sophomore, uh, and it's been kind of impressive. I mean, to break through in this lineup for Iowa State with so much veteran depth coming back, it shows you really got something going for you. Uh, last thing, uh, Eric Steyer's back on the basketball roster after graduating. He's in grad school, uh, but he's going to walk on. Just be, I mean, they need bodies at this point, right? Yeah, that's probably the biggest thing. He'll have a pretty valuable role in practice, right? Close to game day, right? Because he'll be a, you know, a healthy body they can throw out there and run as a you know scout team defender or a, you know mimic a shooter on the other team, whoever they're preparing for. So that'll be his. His biggest role, it's a desperate times call for desperate measures kind of situation. And Steyer's a good kid, and I know his family a little bit. So uh, he's uh, certainly going to give it all he's got, even though he thought his basketball career was over. Uh, but, uh, yeah, he's going to be helping out behind the scenes, certainly more uh, than raining threes out on the court. Indeed. Dave Sproul, KSI 1430 in Ames. Thank you, Dave Sproul. Appreciate it. My pleasure. Good to talk to you. Um Kevin Sheveldayoff, the GM of the Jets, the one guy that was in that room that had yet to receive his discipline or his mm-hmm. punishment from the league, walks scot-free. What? He keeps his gig. Said he wasn't in senior management. He's assistant GM. Could have said something. It's a terrible look. Boy, the NHL. Mm-hmm. They can't get out of their own way. Disgrace.